Hey, today um, I'm fighting back from a bad laryngitis issue. uh, When I got done with my small group Wednesday night, by the time I got home, it was kind of gone. By Thursday, it was totally gone. So I just kind of did a voice rest thing for three days. Jenny didn't say it, but I know she was thinking this was blissful. And, um, but I got to tell you, man, so my voice is kind of all the way back. I'm not quite there. So if I bark a little bit doing that's what's going on. But I was so excited about today because I want to share some things with you that are just near and dear to me. Uh, And it's all about this church. I had, uh, I had the privilege of going to see my uh, little grandsons over in Amsterdam a couple weeks ago. Awesome trip, man, you just go over there and just get to be pop, man, there's nothing like being a full-time pop. But uh, my three-year-old grandson, he, uh, he has for, for as long as he can talk, now he, uh, he always asks the same question, pop, but why? Pop, why? I think it's a pretty good question, but why? So a few, late, few, few weeks ago, I had a, had a senior adult lady that stopped and said, Chuck, you know, I hear all these things you do and I see all the, the money that we raise to help people. She said, why don't, why don't we just use all that money here for our people right here in our church? And I thought, you know, that's, that's a pretty good question. I mean, I wonder how many other people wonder what, what's up with that deal? Why do, we, why do we give so much away and why do we go do all this stuff? Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be more beneficial if we just kind of closed in the walls a little bit and we just we kind of did our own deal so it got it got me thinking you know I don't think this is that complicated but I think everybody deserves to know but why 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 do all this why why show up why why give so 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 generously and why why go serve so many people so I thought today I'd like to answer the question but why I mean why why do we do all this stuff and, and again, I don't believe it's complicated, so I, I went to the Old Testament and I, I found what the prophet Jeremiah had to say where he said, the day is coming. This is in Jeremiah 31, 31. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and of Judah. You see, the old covenant involved having separation between us and God. That in the middle there, there was a lot of religion and rules and there were religious leaders. And there were 600 plus rules that as a a good Jew, you had to follow. And I got to tell you, man, I can't even follow the two that Jesus clarified often. I can't imagine what a bad guy I would have been with 600 and something rules. Can you imagine? I mean, I guarantee you, I have hit all of them. But the prophet said that There's coming a day when a new covenant will come and there'll be a a new rule book and there'll be a new way. And so Jesus shows up. And in Matthew chapter five, verse 17, this is what Jesus said. I don't want you to misunderstand why I've come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. Jesus is saying, all the rules and everything that you had to do, all the offerings that you purchased and you brought to the temple, the veil that separated you from God, all of that is going to be gone. I'm bringing you a new covenant. Jesus, who who showed up in the flesh in that little town in Bethlehem. Jesus, who spoke 
to the church leaders at age 12 and puzzled them with the thought that he would be the son of God. Jesus, who the Sanhedrin and the Pharisees wanted to do away with. Jesus, who had died and given his body and his blood that we might have forgiveness of sin, that all those laws could be abolished and the the old covenant could go and a new covenant would come and the new covenant would be something we could all be a part of and a new covenant that would say, all of us are welcome here. A new covenant that said, all that is past can, can, can go away. We can have a future, we can have a hope that the veil is torn, we can come straight to God. There's no thing that separates us. Like Jesus said, I bring you a new covenant. Because all that old is going to be fulfilled in me. And then the gospel writer, John, gets in on this and he gives us the, the heartbeat of the new covenant where Jesus said, so now I am giving you a new command. Love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Jesus gives us this directive. And at no point did Jesus say, now all you people who believe this way, you go there. Now all you white people, you go there. And all you black people, you go back there. And all you gay people, you go back there. And and all you Buddhist people, you go back there. And Jesus said, what's our job? Love one another. He never segregated who were to love. He said, love one another. And by the way, he didn't say just love y'all. He didn't say just love the folks that come into your church, the, the folks who think like you, the folks that worship like you. He didn't say, hey, love folks that sing Jesus music, not hymns. Love folks who love hymns, but don't sing Jesus music. He didn't say any of that. Jesus came along and he said, listen, love all. So I thought that today we might take a minute and we would come to the Lord's table, not at the end of the service, but we would come to the Lord's table with the understanding that this is the new covenant. Jesus said, I give you a new covenant that is written in my blood. Jesus, the son of God, came and said, my body is going to be broken and my blood is going to be shed so that the Old Testament and the Old Covenant can go and the New Covenant of love one another is going to be seen, it's going to be understood, it's going to be captured in this right here. And he says, I want you, church, I want to make sure you always remember what I've done, that my body was broken, that my blood was spilled, so that you might have a New Covenant written in my blood to love one another. So we invite you today to the new covenant Lord's table where you pick up these two stacked cups and in the bottom is bread and the top is the juice, the fruit of the wine. Because the, the new covenant calls for us to say all of those rules have been fulfilled in the death the burial and the resurrection of Jesus himself. So I'm going to invite you after I pray to make your way to this table, the tables in the middle and tables in the back, and just take those two cups back with you. And we're going to come to the Lord's table together. But before we do, let's pray. God, don't let our prayer be formality. 
search our heart, find every selfish, sinful way. Bring it to the top of our minds so that we can ask you to forgive our heart. God, I am grateful that the two ordinances you gave the church were to baptize people in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We saw that in the last service that we come to the Lord's table in communion in recognition of the goodness and the faithfulness of God and his healing ability in every home and heart. So Lord, let this time be a time that we are worshipful. We are reverent. We are in awe before a holy and a righteous God who gave his life that we might have life. Amen. So you just make your way. Let's come to one of the tables and grab that stack. Thought I'd never say this, but if you're in need of gluten-free, there's some up here at my, my table. So I have now said it. I remember the first time that uh, I got to be a part of the Lord's Supper. I sit next to my dad. And dad actually let me hold the plate because they would pass the plate up and down the aisle. And I remember being so excited about it. I had given my life to Jesus and I'd been baptized and for the first time in my life, I got to take bread and a cup. I think from that moment, even through today, I, I grasped this one thought that he did all of that because of my sin. He did all of that because of my selfishness. He did all of that because in the middle of all of that, he loves me. Gosh, I didn't deserve that. And I can only imagine as Jesus took the bread and he broke it and he blessed it. I, I think it's fascinating that breaking and blessing are a hand in glove experience. We experience the blessing of God so richly when we find ourselves broken. So he took the bread, broke it, and he blessed it, and they ate. And then he, he took the fruit of the vine, which I'm sure was in a much bigger cup. Somewhere over the years, we got really cheap about that. man, he gave this picture to me and you, and he gave this picture to, to his disciples that this would be a picture for all time to remember that I've given you my shed blood for the forgiveness of your sin. There would, ha there, there would be no need. There's a new covenant now. All those rules are over. The new rules are here. The new rules. Love God. Love others as you love yourself. And they drank. I want to invite y'all to stay seated for a minute. Hector, let's just sing a little more of that. Do you mind? Let this be a prayer time. Let it be a time where you're just kind of in reverence. Let this song kind of wash over you. Let the Spirit of God saturate you. Let His presence overwhelm you. Let us become more aware of Your presence. Let us experience the glory of your goodness. Let us become more aware 
things that we attempt to do, they come in the power of that song to experience the blessing of his goodness. And at at some point, the cup has so much blessing, it just pours over and you have this desire that is not because his rule, is not because of credit, is this thought that I am so full and I'm so blessed and I'm so grateful that I cannot wait to let that pour into and over someone else. So the why behind all of this is the new covenant. Jesus said, love each other just as I have loved you. You should love each other. Now, there's a lot of ways to show that you love people. And there are some ways that naturally we show folks we don't love them. And you know, when I think about all of the things that happens in and around this church, Jesus never at one time said, Sugar Hill, I need y'all to just go be separate. I need y'all to just do your own thing because I believe community was birthed inside of God's creation. Let us make man in our image according to our likeness. And I went through all that and I started seeing, well, let's make sure we can answer. When this lady said, why? I thought to myself, I wonder how many other people would ask why? Which is always a question that you ought to be able to answer. Like if you're running a business or if you're, or, or if you're serving someone or, or you're, you're leading a small group, or, there always ought to be a why. Without a why, we kind of wander and we, we just accomplish very little. And yet when we are laser focused on the why, it makes all kind of sense. The first step in the why, though, is this. Love one another as I've loved you. You should love one another. And then in, in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verse 40, it says, and the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Jesus is saying, when, when you do something to folks that need what you do, you are doing that in the name of Jesus and you're doing this in blessing him. But like all things that, that are in the gospels, in every part of every story in the New Testament story, it is always a matter of the heart. How you give is a matter of the heart. How you serve is a matter of the heart. Like when you serve because you feel guilty, you kind of erase the why. When you give out of guilt, you kind of erase the why. I mean, the why sometimes ought to puzzle people as to why would you do that stuff for us? And the answer is pretty clear. 
I tell you the truth. When you did this to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Jesus is saying, so who then are the least of these? I've heard pastors who, who taught and preached that now the least of these, he's talking about children. I've heard other folks talk about the least of these are people that are, that are poverty stricken. But the truth is the least of these is anybody on the planet that has some need. Let me just stop and say, is there anybody here that doesn't have something you need? Yes, we all have something we need. We are all the least of these. I have seasons when I'm very least, and I have some seasons where I'm, I'm not so least, but I'm always least. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Because when you look at that, you think to yourself, okay, wait a minute, that, that makes all kind of sense. This is why we would do this. Children, students, schools, black, white, Indian, Asian, whatever. When, when we simply love people, people as Christ loved us, that's how we're to love them. So then I thought, well, I wonder what Paul would think about this. I mean, Paul was a pretty, pretty cool cat. I mean, he had the ability to kind of put things, you know, right to the heart and try to fix it. Here's what he said to the people of the church in, in Galatians chapter five, verse 13. He said, for you have been called to live in freedom. My brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. For the whole law can be summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you're already and always biting and devouring one another, watch out, beware of destroying one another. How do you make sure that the church doesn't devour one another? I bet there are a lot of you that have been a part of churches like I have been a part of that just kind of split and, and fractured and folks fought and they fumed about things. And, and the cure for all of that silliness is do we have the ability to serve and love one another? The greater the serve, the greater the unity. The greater the love, the greater the serve. The greater the serve, the greater the great church. And I look at that and I think, let me just stop and brag on y'all for a minute. Thank you. I am so grateful that in my six years here, we don't have fights and spats and stupid arguments over things like what color the carpet is, how we should sing, where we should sing, or what we do, and I am so grateful. Thank you. I, I've never seen church that could do this. Everybody on the planet, I think, is waiting for, okay, it's coming sooner or later, isn't it? No. We're going to serve so hard it can't come. We're going to love so well it can't come. You say, well, well, Chuck, I believe, I believe Satan's got, got, got us like a target, like a bullseye. Bring it. Because I know my God is capable. My God is able. Bring it. Bring your best shot. You say, well, Chuck, that's kind of bold. What, what happens if he does? You don't think he already is? Seriously? I mean, I, I feel like I'm going through so much spiritual warfare right now. I need to be carrying, I have a permit, I need something. Because I can feel Satan literally bearing down saying, I'm not gonna keep you from, I'm gonna keep you from doing this. I'm, I'm gonna devour you from the inside out. And the people of God have to raise up and say, no, you will not get a foothold in this church. You will not get a foothold in my family. You will not get a hold of my child, no. You see, we love that God because he first loved us. In that love, we love others because of our love for him. He said, you wanna keep a church in the right direction? Stop worrying about how many people are coming in the door and be concerned about how people leave the door. 
Stop worrying about how many people come to pray with you. Be greatly concerned about how people go and pray out there. The new covenant is welded together with the healing and the hope found only in Jesus the Christ. Only. Love others in heart, mind, and soul. So if you looked at it in a quick review, the why, because we're to love one another. The who, the least of these, are in need. And the how, by living and loving more like Jesus. When I stop and think about all the things that happened at Sugar Hill Church, I took that but why question and asked our staff, would you just put together real honest to goodness, not fluffed up stats, just tell me about all the stuff we do around here. Because frankly, so much stuff happens, some of it I don't even know about. And we, we just put a sampling together. And when I hear, why do you do that, Chuck? Why, do, why does Sugar Hill Church do all this stuff? As lovingly as I could, which wasn't nearly enough, I shared this one simple thought. You ready? Do you believe that when Jesus himself, the son of God himself, said the following three statements that he didn't mean them to apply to us? Did somehow Jesus take these next three statements and say, this applies to everybody else in the world, but you folk at Sugar Hill, you're exempt from it. And the fact is, no, he didn't. Listen to what Jesus said in the great commandment. Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And this is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So in this new covenant, Jesus has said, it is all a matter of your heart. He's saying, listen, what you're going to do is love God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. And if you're trying to figure out why those three, just imagine this. Think of it this way. The heart is my being. My soul is myself. And what else comes with it? A mind that is focused on the things of God. Then Jesus comes along and says in the Great Commission, he says with great urgency, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus comes along in the great commandment and says, love God, love other people in the great commission. He says, if you love me, you know what you're gonna do? As you're going, you're going to go out and you're going to tell people about me and they're gonna choose to become disciples and follow me. And when you do, you're going to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit like we did those two young people earlier. And when you do that, you're we're going to bring them into the church and into our homes, and we're going to teach the word of God to them because that is what Christ has called us to do. He has called us to go make disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and then teach them all the things that Jesus has taught us. And you look at that and say, how in the world could we mess that up? Well, listen to the third statement where he gives us this new covenant. So now I am giving you a new command commandment, love each other just as I love you, you should love one another. And so this is why we're so passionate about sharing the love of the new covenant in this city and in this county and in this region and in the country and around the globe where we have the opportunity to do so. Wherever we can leave a lasting impact for the cause of Jesus, this is why we're here. We are not here to be the hippest, coolest church because if it were, we're failing miserably. We are not here to be fire-flaming preachers because if we are, we're failing miserably. 
But if you're here to say people matter to us, that people knowing Christ matter to us, that people serving Christ matter to us, that this community is supposed to be better when we leave it, and this church should leave a lasting impact, not based on how many people come in, but how many people go out there and do something. And I would say to that, that's the kind of church I want to be a part of. Can you imagine getting up and going to a church that had a rule on how you had to dress? Can you imagine getting up and having to go to a, to a church and, and you, had to, you had to do exactly what the rule book said? Can I tell you, almost every church I know on the planet that chose the rule over grace, they're dying as fast as they can. And as for me and my house, we are going to trust the grace of Jesus. Because at the end of the day, folks, all that we do is about this one thing. How do we take that love, that new covenant, and put it to work? So I thought, let's take a look at some of the things that the Lord has allowed Sugar Hill Church to be a part of in that grace, in that love. Listen to this, here at home, in the last six years, more than 1,100 people have chosen to join Sugar Hill Church. 1,100 people, come on, really? Not even one amen out of that? You guys are dead. Listen to this. In the last six years, more than 500 people have been baptized. That's almost half. I mean, come on, man. We've reduced our debt by $2 million. We've given more than $11 million toward mission and ministry. We've had more than 600 adults. This just blows my mind. In this semester, more than 600 adults investing their lives in discipleship groups. Just to put that in context, seven years ago, that number was 287. Come on, that's unbelievable. More than 2,500 adults participate in our weekly programming. Listen, our Spanish-speaking service that's happening right now had their highest attendance a few weeks ago, and every week, about 160 Spanish-speaking families are worshiping right in that chapel. Not as a mission church, but part of you. Watch this, 52 Sugar Hill Espanol attenders chose to follow Jesus and believers' baptism. By the way, that would put them in the top 10 churches of just Baptist churches in the entire state of Georgia. And Carlos is only 5'2", and he's a buck and a quarter soaking wet. 5'4", if you count his hair. In the last three years, more than 137 Sugar Hill Espanol tenders joined your church. This fall, one of the things I am so, I am so grateful that the Lord gave us Rhonda. You may not know this, but we've already started with 10 volunteers that have been recruited and being trained to have a special class on Sunday morning for children with special needs. Because you see, we're to love one another. 636 students participate in our weekly student ministries. That's middle and high school. I remember when it was 40. Listen to this. 
120 of those kids are in student leadership work here at the church where Pastor Tripp and his team are pouring in them how to serve the church and how to serve the kingdom in a Christ-like fashion. If you're here on a Wednesday, Wednesday afternoon, this place is full of students setting up chairs, preparing for worship and getting everything ready because we're trying our best to invest in the next generation. By the way, in the midst of all that, 459 of them are involved in Sunday morning discipleship groups. Unbelievable. Here in our community, 810 children are served in our local elementary schools. Listen to this. This blew my mind. We have packed more than 51,000 book bags with weekend food. 51,000. We're a first responder for almost every school in this community when a family has a crisis or a need. We've provided Christmas for more than 1,200 children in our community. 1,200 kids had Christmas because of you. Watch this. We need to, we, we got to catch up a little bit. We still got more holiday boxes and you can do it out back today, but we have provided already 1,000 holiday meals through the North Gwinnett Co-op. Our PATH project, this is the project over in Peachtree Village with about 300 mobile homes, most all of them Hispanic families. We have more than 100 children registered serving about 60 kids, have the opportunity to buy a trailer on the other side right there at the front and expand that into middle and high school kids. And you're wondering why do all that? Because the dropout rate at Lanier High School, it's better than 27%. And we will invest in these kids and they will be the first group of kids that not only graduate from high school out of there, but be the first kids in their family, all of them that'll go to college. You know why? Because you invested in that kid. Come on. Little old Anissa Lottie is over there. I'm telling you, that kid is... She's got more courage than anybody I know, and she's just killing it, man. She's, she's recruited about 22 volunteers. When I see the pictures of you guys over there working with those kids, learning with the curriculum that the local schools are providing us to, I just think to myself, that's, Jesus is doing that stuff, man. I love that stuff. Come on. Between our partnerships with Christian Library International, Teach My People, Care for AIDS. By the way, you've got a church plant that you have supported out in Los Angeles, and you've got a church plant that you've sponsored in Phoenix, and we're hoping to add a church in Boston next year because we believe those areas, tough areas, difficult areas, they need something that feels and looks and smells like Sugar Hill Church over in that area. And the church in downtown LA is killing it. By this time next year, they'll be bigger than we are. Man, this is good stuff. You may not know it, but we help support a program through Radio Vita co-host where they uh, do Vita Fest across the way in the Sugar Hill Bowl, where we minister and we share the gospel with 3,000 people. This is one of the things Carlos does that nobody knows about. This year, you gave more than $20,000 to support families affected by the hurricanes through Convoy of Hope. We've given, listen to this, more than $1 million to local and global mission efforts. $1 million. 
By the way, in doing so, we've been on 34 mission trips. We've packed more than 4,250 Operation Christmas Child boxes. This year, you gave $26,000 plus to support the ministry at Care for AIDS. In our last six years, we have ministered to more than 500 Kenyan families and helped prevent 2,000 kids from being orphaned. That sounds like Jesus to me. That sounds a lot like Jesus to me. More than 120,000 meals have been fed to Haitian orphans. I saw Diane Maffi over here today. It's so good to see you. And she helped us get there and we are not gonna stop. Those kids are counting on Sugar Hill Church and we are going to deliver. This church has sponsored more than 400 children through Compassion International. In the work we started in Cuba a couple of years ago, 21 churches were birthed out of that. Out of those 21, another 16 have been birthed. This morning, 37 Christian churches are meeting to praise and worship and hear God's word in communist Cuba because of your generosity. That's pretty cool. We've provided countless number of books to try to serve the prisoners in CLI, several of them coming to Christ by your handwritten notes that we work with them. Dozens of teenage moms ministered to through just the lift ministry alone. We have helped Refuge Coffee find a permanent location in Clarkston and they're ministering to refugees and we get to be a part of that because they're our partnership. We have Christmas help for 12 local schools, which by the way, means that we have provided more than 1,700 pieces of Christmas help for a family. Beginning this fall, we began a ministry at Sycamore Elementary where Rhonda and Joe do video announcements and live announcements teaching character development that is biblical in our local elementary school and glad to do so. This one is pretty mind blowing. Student ministries alone, middle and high school, have directly served more than 1,400 middle and high school students just this year through our ministry and programming. And we get to invest in more than 500 athletes over at, at Lanier High School. And by the way, 22 teams have sponsorships and work and chaplains because you did all that. And when I look at that, I think to myself, how in the world does a local church have the privilege and the honor to be teaching in a local high school and it only comes down to this one thing. Are you willing to love one another? And you know what the Lord said? Yes, we'll make a way. We will make that crooked path straight. So when you say, we, we can't pray, we can't have any influence in the school, the world's going down. Let me tell you something, that's just bull. When you follow this one rule, love one another, God's gonna open a path and he has done so. Let us be faithful. I've never seen that kind of opportunity before. By the way, Coach Wyman, I'm good to see you, bud. That's, that's our baseball coach right there. That's a good dude right there, man. Yeah, I know, you're looking around, but I, I, I love you, buddy. But all these things, folks, they, they're either important to us or, heck, man, we can just take a year off, right? We, we can just kind of look inward and we can focus on how many people can come to church here. We, we can get all excited. We, man, we. Everybody but me up here could wear skinny jeans, <laughs> sip lattes, ponder on the things of God. In the meantime, you know, Sugar Hill Church is going to get our fingernails dirty. We're going to get our britches dirty. 
We're going to wear out our knees as we pray. And we're going to love people for one reason. Jesus said, go love people as I love you. And you know what? That is not a good church growth strategy. That is just, just not. Man, I'm telling you, you can't grow a big honking fancy church by telling people you got to go work and you got to go love Jesus, do the stuff that nobody else will do. Everybody else, if they want to come do hip church, do it. But that is not where we're going. And let me just stop and say, God help us. Should we ever choose that production on Sunday morning is more important than loving people in the name of Jesus out there on Monday afternoon? This is what we're called to. I believe with every ounce of my being, which is a lot of ounces, I got to tell you, I believe with every ounce of my being, God gave us this city and heaven help us if we don't take care of it. We have been given these marching orders. And friends, listen, you might be apathetic about all those things, but I'll promise you, I don't believe we can afford to be. We cannot sit on our hands and sit on our wallets and think everything is just going to work out when we've been given two ears, one mouth, a brain, hands and arms to go do something for the cause of Christ. We cannot stop. Let us never stop from doing good. By the way, just know the church is growing. I had a lady that stopped me out in the hallway before this service. She just hugged my neck. She said, I want to thank you so much. First time I've ever been in this church. I went, she went down to a parenting thing we did in the underground. Had about 45 people in it. And she hugged my neck and said, where were you 45 years ago? And I thought, well, I was 13. <laughs> but I get the point. I think we got clear marching orders. The question is, will you help us get there? Listen, there's some of you folks in here, you got money. I get it, man. You got money. And, and, and most of you don't give regularly because you have money because you're waiting on me to ask you to give. So I'm talking to y'all now. Yeah, I'm, I'm, talking, I'm talking to the y'all that can write five and six digit checks. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be guilty of, of being weak here. I want to make sure you hear me clearly. If you have that capacity and you're not investing it in the kingdom of God, shame on you. If you're in that next group where, man, you're giving and it already hurts, man, God bless you. But if you're in the mass, vast majority of folks here in the past year, you haven't given one, bled, one red-blooded cent, and you've missed out on the blessing of just some of the stuff we just talked about, listen, I'm not asking you to go from 0% to 10%. I'm saying if you haven't given anything, do something. I am asking this church to do something extraordinarily hard I'm asking you over the next seven weeks to give $660,000 so that we can go double the amount of work that we're doing now. And you say, well, Chuck, how does that stack up with regular giving? You give about $52,000 a week. That's about what you give, okay? To do what I'm suggesting, you got to increase that by another $42,000 a week. Last year, you did it. You almost hit that number. But here's what I'm asking we got some folks who had deep pockets and, and they kind of bailed out because they wanted a hipper, cooler church. Lord knows, you, you, if that's the dude you wanted to lead your church, you got the wrong guy, man. There's not a cool bone in my body. And I am the least hip guy I've ever met. I mean, look at this. I mean, I'm 58. Everything about me is breaking down. But I will tell you this, man. I am absolutely, positively, completely, 190% all in with the fact that we have only started. We have only kicked up a little dust and God has called us for more. 
I remember my first Sunday as your pastor, and I walked up here to preach. I had a pulpit and everything, and man, I, I was so proud of that moment. I was so excited about that moment. But I'm going to tell you, it's like God reached up and grabbed me by the earlobe and screamed into my ears, what are you so proud of? You haven't done anything yet to the least of these. You haven't led diddly. Chucks, don't be proud. You need to be humbled and grateful for what you have, but you need to go out there and serve. And so for as long as you allow me the privilege to be your pastor, which I pray is a long time, let us never stop doing good. This is the commandment. We've got November 19. We've got the Sunday after Thanksgiving, the 26th. We got the Advent Sundays of December 3, 10, 17, and 24. And we got the last day of the year, December 31. And let me tell you something, folks. I, I am unashamedly asking you to give generously and give till it hurts. Because when I saw all the stuff that we do, I thought to myself, if we don't do that, who will? Because you know what I've learned? We, we are a weird people. We, we care far less about how many more people get in here than we do how many things we can do out there for the cause of Christ. And we're actually cool with that. I, I can't imagine being any other kind of church. I can't imagine chasing after any other kind of Jesus. I can't imagine not giving everything we can with everything we have to do all that we might be a part of for the cause of Jesus our Lord. Let's not stop. I beg you, let's not stop. Let's pray. Lord, I am grateful. When I read through all of these things and I recognize all that you've allowed us to be a part of, there is no other word but grateful. Lord, these have been such a faithful and gracious people. Would, would you pour out your richest and most dear blessings over these folks and the families they represent? God calls us to be a people that would give generously and joyfully and gratefully. God, I pray we would give until it hurts and that you would bless these folks. Lord, there are probably some folks in here that are saying, man, I don't get all that stuff. I don't get that whole Jesus connection, old covenant, new covenant. Lord, would you, would you breathe truth into their lives right now? That while we were once separated from God, the gift you gave us was Jesus himself. He became the bridge because he gave his body and his blood to be shed so that we might have forgiveness for sin and our selfishness and in that gift Lord I pray we give some back to you and Lord for folks that are trying to say man I want that Jesus in my life what do I do well in Jesus own words I just call upon the name of the Lord and it sounds something like this Jesus I need you forgive me I want to follow you. I'm tired of chasing after just me. Thanks for dying for me and raising from the dead for me. And Lord, fill me fresh and anew. Give me wisdom and joy, peace and contentment.
So Lord, I pray we would we'd give, we'd serve, and we'd love as you have given, as you have served, and you would love. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. We invite our folks forward and our team to take up our offering now. You know, I've noticed things about, like, gifts. You know, there's sometimes you, you give a gift to somebody because you just love them and you want to give them a gift, right? But yeah, there's another group of people where you, you, you wait and see if they give you a gift and see kind of what the value of that gift is so you know whether you should give them a gift. You know what I'm talking about? And there are people that you don't feel like you want to give a gift to, but you have to give them a gift to. You know, you know who they are, right? Why don't you think about this? The gift that we got and keep giving is the forgiveness and the blessing of God Almighty. How worthy is he of us to give back to him our best? He's already given it. What a wonderful thing. Folks, go ahead and start passing those baskets. Guys, I hope tonight you'll join me for Man Church at 5 p.m. down the underground. I know it's kind of in the middle of the first half of a Falcons game. We'll have a game on and then we'll stop for some hardcore Bible study and then get you home. Hope you'll come tonight. Remember out on the table, we've still got, we got about 30 boxes. I think we're short of being able to have 100 boxes for, uh, for our meals. You see Susan or, or whoever's running that table back out there. You'll notice in your app, you've got an opportunity to start giving to wrap it up. But I want to ask you, you help us wrap up this year. Help us wrap it up and be a part of that. I, I know 660 grand sounds like a weird number, but you just can't imagine what a blessing it would be to the people we serve. And remember, it's, it's all a matter of your heart. Ladies, I want to thank you for showing up big for Flourish the other night. What a cool thing. So proud of you, you ladies. It's just very cool. And I want to thank you. Um, I get calls all the time from other preachers who want me to write a recommendation letter or call somebody for them, and they're looking to leave where they're at because they're in the middle of a fight or a feud or something silly. And then they'll always say, well, how, how are you doing? And I'm like, man, I, I pastor the greatest church on the planet. Are you kidding? These people are... These people, they're all in, man. We won't believe the cool stuff we get to be a part of. And every one of them say the same thing. Man, I wish I could be a part of a church like that. So you know what? Thank you. 